we ended up last time, we were in the throne room, and the throne room was glorious. The Father was on the throne, the, the, the four creatures are around, and then the 24 elders and so forth, and then all creation. And we ended up with this great doxology. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. So that's a wonderful scene that behind what we see in reality, there is a greater reality that is at work all the time. God's hand is on things. And so, so therefore, when we turn to this next chapter and we're going to learn about a scroll, we're going to see what God is doing behind the scenes and how he controls things and how everything is working out according to his plan. Chapter 6, verse 1. So this plan will, will, will be, uh, that's what the, well, I'll read the verse, okay? <laughs> and I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard out of the four flying living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men should slay one another. And a great sword was given to him. And when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard, as it were, a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. And when he broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following with him. And authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. All right, so after all of this praise and after seeing that the Lamb holds the scroll, he's the only one that can open the scroll, and we said last time that the scroll is the plan of history, the plan of redemption. What do we expect? I think what we expect is victory. I think what we expect is how salvation is going to unfold. I think that's the, especially in light of the doxologies that are given in verse 12 of chapter 5 and in verse 13, we would expect that this is going to be one slashing blitzkrieg of salvation. And instead, we have the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We have darkness. We have evil. 
All right, now let's get the background for this because it's important that we see that this plan of salvation is not the plan of salvation that starts with the cross and goes forward. This is the plan of salvation that covers all of history. And so we're not surprised that the four horsemen of the apocalypse are presented in the book of Zechariah. So we have to turn to Zechariah, at least for a moment, to see what's going on there. In the book of Zechariah, chapter 1, I'll just read verse 8. I saw uh, Zechariah has a bunch of night visions. And these night visions are exactly of the same kind of the visions that John is getting. So uh, we're not surprised to see in verse 8 of chapter 1, I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on what? A red horse. And he was standing among the myrtle trees which were in the ravine with red, sorrel, and white horses behind him. All right, turn over to chapter 6 of Zechariah. And now we have something more about horses. Chapter 6, I lifted up my eyes again. Again, it's the same kind of language that we find with John. I lifted up my eyes, I saw, I saw. And look, and behold, four chariots were coming forth from between the two mountains. And the mountains were bronze mountains. With the first chariot were red horses. With the second chariot, black horses. With the third chariot, white horses. And with the fourth chariot, dappled horses. Reminiscent of the four colors that we just saw in John's chapter. Now, what do these chariots do? And, with, uh, and we look down and we see in verse 8, Then he cried out to me and spoke to me, saying, See, those who are going to the land of the north have appeased my wrath in the land of the north. And the, the, the point is, oh, let's look at verse 7 first. I'm sorry, I should have read that first. And, and when the strong ones went out, they were eager to go to patrol the earth. And he said, Go, patrol the earth. So they patrolled the earth. Then he cried out to me and spoke to me, saying, See, these are going out to the land of the north to appease my wrath in the land of the north. In other words, God has always been sending out his uh, chariots. He's always been sending out powers. Powers come and go. And the, the point is that when we read of these four horsemen of the apocalypse, we're, we're not surprised because God is doing throughout history his great plan of redemption, which includes judgment, which includes the overthrowing of evil powers, which include death and fighting and warfare. Now, here's where it gets difficult to try and identify, especially the white horse, especially the white horse. You see, I looked at verse 2, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Almost the same words that you find in chapter 19, verse 11, and who rides the white horse but Jesus? Christ rides the white horse. So I want to suspend judgment on this first. It is possible that this first horse is a picture of Jesus conquering. Well, conquering how? With the gospel. Conquering with the good news. Conquering and spreading the gospel to spread. So it's altogether possible that this first horse is Jesus. But I'd like, if you could with me, suspend judgment on that until we look at all the horses. Okay, so, so it's clear that the first horse brings warfare. 
it's the glory of warfare. It's conquering. It's the fact that in warfare, somebody wins. In the warfare, somebody is conquering. Now, the question is, what's conquering? Well, let's move to the second horse. So the second seal, the voice says, come in verse 3, and it's a red horse. And what does the rider on the red horse do? Well, the red horse represents the horrors of war. The, rep- the red horse represents the fact that war takes away peace. And there's fighting, and there's bloodshed, and there's uh, death, and there's suffering, and so forth and so on. So, so this is, if the first horse is a conquering, uh, showing the glory of war, if you might want to think of that. But of course, no matter where war is going on, there's somebody getting glory from it. So, they, so you've got a conquering first horse the second horse is the horrors of war and verse five then he broke the third seal and the third said i looked and behold a black horse and what did the black horse have the rider he had a pair of scales in his hands well we find scales in uh, various parts of the Old Testament were, were very clear. For instance, in the book of Deuteronomy, that if you've got a set of scales and you have a set of weights and measures, they should be honest weights and measures. And, but, but the scales can often be a symbol of, uh, besides economic, it, it can also be a, a, the scales of justice. But here it's the scales of economic. Why? Because a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Now, what is a denarius? We all know that a denarius is a day's wages. Well, a day's wages buys enough to feed one person. This is bad economics. This is scarcity going on here. So if, if, if one person's there wages and you're married, somebody's not going to eat, or you have to cut the rations in half. And if you've got a family, the, the results of that are even worse. The, the family is going to suffer. And so what we have here is a, a symbol of economic uh, scarcity, not necessarily famine, uh, but clearly scarcity and hardship. Uh, something bad is going on here as a result of the black horse. All right, so that's the black horse. Uh, and uh, th- then we have the fourth seal, and uh, the, uh, the fourth seal is ashen color. Well, you've all seen, maybe you haven't seen it if you don't watch Clint Eastwood movies, but, you know, the pale rider, the pale rider was the, the symbol of death. Uh, the, the, the ashen is the color of a corpse. Ashen is when your color drains out. And so here we have death and followed by Hades. And authority was given to them, and what were results? Every possible kind of death, well, not every possible, but the vast variety of deaths that can come. You can have death from swords, you can have death from famine, death from pestilence, and wild beasts. So the the point is, what we have here in these, secondly, certainly the second, third, and fourth are, are clearly bring evil. And I think in light of that, I would say that the first horse is not Jesus, but if if there's going to be some kind of uh, consistency here, what we have are are four horsemen that bring exactly what they brought in the Old Testament under Zechariah. They patrol the earth, and 
throughout history, what has history looked like? It's looked like this. It's looked like this when evil is at work. Yes, Mike. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we see that whether you look at Leviticus or whether you look at the law code of Deuteronomy, which has it in, in great detail, the blessings and the curses, especially in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, here you have a picture of what is constantly going on in history. Now, the, the, the problem is, the problem is, and this is the problem with, I mentioned the various views of Revelation in our first lecture, first uh, Sunday school lesson, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's, it was a lecture, okay. <laughs> uh, try, it's hard for me to get out of the mode, okay. But, but anyway, so, so, so what we find is uh, that it's tough to pinpoint these things. See, the historicist would say if all of these are predictions of specific times in the future, like the bubonic plague, the Holocaust, the uh, famines. I mean, we, we've got famines going on now. We've got pestilences going on now. There are fightings going on now. So what we have here is the mix of history. And the mix of history, unfortunately, brings death and suffering and so forth. Now, we're going to find throughout the book, there's also conquering. We're going to see who is survives. We're going to see what, how God brings about redemption out of all this. But we've got to paint the, uh, what, what, what God is doing here through John is painting a picture of what needs to be corrected, what needs to be healed, what, what needs to be saved. Well, look at all of these. We, we need salvation from all of these. We need redemption. And so... Uh, uh, we have that picture. Now, very something very different now comes in verse 9. And we'll, this is, we're going to have to end with this today. And when he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they maintained. Now, let's stop right there. We said that we're looking at the throne room. Well, the throne room is also a temple. If you have an altar, you've got a temple because an altar is where sacrifices are done. So, so that explains the slain lamb. Okay? I mean, John doesn't explain it, but, but what we're looking at when we look, and we have to constantly remember chapters 4 and 5 will frame everything. So there are souls under the altar, which is also the throne room. So in the throne room is where worship takes place. Uh, it's where uh, 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 an altar is present to remind us of that. Okay, so I saw underneath the altar the souls. Now, what do the souls look like? Well, we're not told. Uh, we just have to take John's word for it that he saw something. Now, what form did it take? 
and especially for the fact that the, it says that they were given, you know, I, I, should, I should finish the verses here now, verse 10, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, wilt thou refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe. Well, now, how does a soul put on a white robe? I have no idea. But it's the, you, you've got to kind of, it's all symbolic, but the point of, of the white robe would obviously be purity, obviously be holiness, all right? So it was given to each of them, the souls under the altar, crying out. They were um, given a, a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, should be completed also. Now here is something also that is throughout history. The souls under the altar are the same kind of thing that we find when we look at the book of Psalms and pick any number of the book of Psalms, and I'm going to pick 94, uh, because that's, the psalms are filled with what? Laments. They're filled with praises. They're filled with thanksgiving. They're filled with victory. They're filled with so forth and so on. But Psalm, uh, uh, psalm 94, O Lord God of vengeance. That's exactly what the souls were praying for there. Want vengeance. God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render recompense. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked exalt? Exactly the same kind of thing. In other words, throughout history, God has his people. They are suffering uh, and they are crying out, how long until you send redemption? It's, it's, it's exactly the same kind of thing here. But notice when they're calling, this is not vindictiveness. It is vengeance, but it's God's vengeance. So when you call for, when you call for your vengeance, then that's vindictiveness. If you, call, if you want vengeance for yourself, that's vindictiveness. If you want vengeance on the behalf of God, you want justice. What, what you want is what, that, that, that goodness should be rewarded and that evil should be punished. And so that's exactly what they're calling for here. They're calling for, and, and what are they told? You gotta wait. You gotta rest for a while. In other words, patience. Throughout history, God's people are called upon to be patient and to wait, but they're still going to lament. I, 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 get, uh, I get impressed every year that I work through the book of Psalms of how many of them are laments. Uh, there, there are various kinds of Psalms, but frankly, I get tired of the laments. I, I, I don't like to read them. I, I, it just, it's hard for me to identify with them because my life's been pretty good. So if your life is pretty good, when you are called to pray a lament, you are praying for other people. You're not praying for yourself. You're doing pretty well. But you, you're, you're called, called upon. I, I love the ESV study Bible, especially of the Psalms, because they, they really gave him a lot of leeway because there's so many things that are repeated in the Psalms. But the guy who wrote the study, the person who wrote the study notes for the Psalms, he's really good because he tells you how to pray that Psalm even here in the 21st century. 
It's a, again, I, I can't say enough for the ESV study Bible notes um, and so forth. So well, here I am. I'm six minutes over. Um, but uh, so what, we ha- what do we have so far? We still have, uh, I had hoped to get this whole lesson in today. Uh, that's fine because we're going to need, we're going to need time for the sixth seal. And in preparation, please read Matthew 24 and see how Matthew 24 pairs up with the kind of events talked about in verses 12 through 17 and even the order of the events, even the order of events. Uh, I'm going to suggest last time, John did not include a little apocalypse in his gospel. It's in Mark 13, Matthew 24, and Luke 21. But John doesn't have a little apocalypse. Why? Because he's going to have a whole book to write about it in the book of Revelation. But uh, essentially, what we're going to see is the same Jesus who preached the little apocalypse in Matthew 24 is the lamb who talks about the scroll and the, and the sixth seal. So um, you can prepare. Now, any, anybody want to sneak in a comment or question? And I'm sorry that I took you over time, but uh, um, anyway. Okay. <laughs> Got a lot to pray about here, don't we? Father, Father in heaven, um, it's not a joy to read these verses. Uh, because we don't like to examine evil in its various forms. We don't like to see economic deprivation. We don't like to see the horrors of bloodshed. We don't like to see famine. Uh, And we don't like to see souls crying out with a lament, how long, O Lord, until you exact vengeance on your enemies. But you've included them here in your word so that we can reflect on these things. Uh, We can obviously give thanks that we have not suffered some of these deprivations. Uh, Some of us have been to war. Some of us have seen the suffering of war. Uh, Some of us have have seen the the horrors of bloodshed. Uh, Some of us deal with evil instances every day because of the work that you've given to us. Uh, And yet we realize, O Lord, that that we can gain much from these verses. For we know that however extensive evil looks to us and however pervasive we see it in some of the lives of, of those around us, you are on the throne and your scroll is in your hands. And we just take comfort in that. And though we have not suffered some of these deprivations, yet help us, and we're so thankful that that is in the Ukraine and being such a faithful witness to the gospel, you've given him such a heart for lost souls. And, and we're just grateful for that. And we, and we pray now that, that you would help us, uh, even the rest of this day, to use it profitably, Uh, to reflect, to think, uh, and even to prepare for next Lord's Day as well. Uh, Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.